Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I'm your host, Keith Ree Cleveland. So last week, we got to talk a lot about uplifting media, things that we're doing during the quarantine times that have lasted for such a long time and will likely continue to last for a really long time. But this week, we have news, and we have very interesting news, especially if you're of the gamer persuasion, and I'm going to capitalize on a lot of this episode. So apologies, or you're welcome in advance, depending on who you're talking to. Um, It's not going to be all gaming news, though, so y'all good. This week was definitely made for you. (laughs) I'm going to talk about Destiny 2 for a little bit. So... Uh, long-time listeners of this podcast and anyone who has met me in any capacity for more than a couple of days, maybe even just a couple of hours, knows that I'm less of a gamer and more of a Destiny 2 enthusiast. I checked my most recent playtime earlier this week and I'm currently at a combined 3,500 hours, give or take, over the two games in the last six years. Again, give or take, there's a couple months in between there, but for those of you who want the quick and dirty math on that, that's roughly 146 days, or almost five months of my life dedicated to this one game for all of its ups and downs, and this last spring was pretty much a down period in like the franchise's history, but Bungie called their shot Tuesday and made some declarations that I think even non-Destiny 2 fanatics can't appreciate. So the fandom went into Tuesday expecting a brief look into the new season and the fall expansion, and we got those. But in addition to that, we got the names for the 2021 expansion and the 2022 expansion. Um, This year, we're getting Beyond Light, which is going to take us to Europa, where we're going to get to wield the darkness like a lot of Guardians have wanted to for a while. And then in 2021, we're getting something called The Witch Queen. And then in 2022, we're getting Lightfall, which is the working title, but also sounds like the end of the franchise. So, like, who knows what's going to happen. It's a wonderful time to be a, a, a Destiny 2 player. We got a primer into what they're calling the Destiny Content Vault, which in multiple locations are getting shelves temporarily to preserve the file size, but also older content is getting cycled in at a yet-to-be-determined cadence, but essentially it's looks like this game is getting too big to hold as a one unified thing. So they're just saying, like, this isn't used this much, we're going to put it away for a little bit, let it rest, give you some new stuff, and then cycle it out so that way you're not having 150 gigabytes on your console at any given time. Anyone who is upgrading to new consoles, you get a free upgrade to that new console. There are going to be graphical updates where you're going to be playable in 60 frames per second and 4K resolution. And this is really exciting, but there's intergenerational crossplay with the eventual intent of inter-platform crossplay, which means if you play Destiny with your friends, you can play pretty much wherever on pretty much whatever platform. And like, for like the stuff that's happening right now, we have a new dungeon available, we have the Fall Beyond Light expansion, which is a really dope looking trailer. If nothing else, Bungie makes a really good trailer. And we get to see how robots are made, so you know, I'm, I'm sold, I'm in. 
Um, so, for you non-Destiny 2 fans, and Keith, who is staring at me wondering what the hell he's gonna say afterwards, um, you may be wondering how this impacts you directly, and it probably doesn't in the immediate sense. But, Destiny does have the distinction of being one of the few games-as-a-service model that has survived content droughts, bad content, several competitors, and has managed to cut ties with its benefactor in Activision and, like, succeed in, like, cultivating, like, their version of the game. But we're seeing that with the cross-save, the cross-play, the upgrades, the cycling of content, and we're seeing an unprecedented shift in this game crossing over generations, and we're having to reckon with the realities of, like, what happens when a game has been going on for, like, six to seven years. How do you keep that player based engaged for that long? And there are still people who have more time to me, and there are people who have less time than me who still love this game so much. So, if nothing else, this is noteworthy because of the resilience and ambition of the franchise, and it was the way I started my week, so it's the way I was going to start this podcast. Question. Uh-huh? On a scale from 1 to 10, how good did that feel? Like an eight, like a solid eight. I could tell because you were beaming. Just want to put that out there for people that can't actually see you right now. You got to do a whole opening segment about Destiny 2, which I know is probably your favorite segment in the history of our podcasting relationship for sure. As our listeners know that you have a very deep, long-standing relationship with Destiny, Destiny 2, as a 3,500-hour show, they also know that I have not played for more than 30 seconds in my life. So while this is fascinating from a business perspective, and I love when people love things and seeing you enjoy this is very inspiring, I'm just impressed by the fact that you can, DLC content has gotten to the point where you can keep adding on to a game five, six, seven years after the fact, and it still feels fresh and new, and it's the exact same thing. I love that, just for the sake that you get more content. So that's what I'm going to say with that. I hope that this is as amazing as you think it is. Um, I will also say that the titles Lightfall and Witch Queen sound incredible and awesome. So I mean, I play the games myself, but I would definitely watch you play them on Twitch. Yeah. Bungie, if they can do anything, it's make good marketing for their materials. And it it looks like a a sci-fi epic movie trailer. The soundtrack is always incredible. And yeah, again, if you're not a big gamer, this may just sort of fly over your head. But like, it's impressive for a video game franchise to like survive as long and still have a diehard as a fan base as, as Destiny has managed to keep against so many overwhelming odds and so much like critical like like feedback over its lifespan so it's rough uh but Bungie like they pointed out to the distance say like this is where we're going and I give them props for that but speaking about long-standing relationships it's time to pivot to another one that made the news this past week so one of the longest-standing relationships in comic books came to an end early last week as DC announced it will be severing ties with Diamond Comics distributors, the longtime powerhouse that's had a virtual monopoly on comic books for nearly 30 years now. The move came after Diamond not only halted all distribution of his comics following the COVID-19 outbreak, but then went on to restrict payments to his publishers, including both Marvel and DC and many others. DC didn't take that very well, as you could imagine. So, they announced that they'd be breaking up with Diamond and will start distributing books as soon as this month. The shops on the eastern half of North America, through a new publisher called UCS, which is owned by Midtown Comics, the giant comic shop conglomerate in New York City, and the western half with another new publisher called Lunar, which is owned by DCBS, which is another big name in the comic book industry. 
This decision sent shockwaves throughout the entire comic book industry and world, as DC is responsible for a calculated 30% of Diamond's annual revenue and can make life harder for comic book store owners as a result. Oh, and as far as like readers' lives are changed and everything, DC Comics will not be available on Tuesdays instead of Wednesdays, which brings a whole list of complications to the whole idea of quote-unquote comic book day. Reactions have been mixed, to say the least, from both readers and retailers from a variety of ways, but only time will tell what the results of this move actually will be down the road for comics and everyone involved with them. I actually went ahead and wrote a piece for this on Black Nerd Problems this week, breaking down the DC Diamond Comics breakup, but as a long-standing comic book fan and supporter of local comic book shops and an advocate for those, I wonder what you think this will do for the industry overall. Do you, do you know how Diamond became the monopoly it is today? To be brief, I know there was a lot of ambitious business deals by other parties that didn't work out well, and Diamond was kind of there to clean up. Yeah, so I, I, I also looked into this because I, like you, am very vested in, in comics, and I love my local comic book shop as, like, the way that I got into comics, so... Like, essentially what happened is that Marvel tried to do something very similar back in, like, the 90s, I want to say, or, like, the 80s, with something called Heroes World, where it's sort of like, here is here are all of our comics through this other distributor that's different from all of this other distributor, and they were the only ones that did that, and that caused, like, a lot of complications for, like, ordering, for, like, access, and it caused the collapse of, like, multiple distributors, and then Diamond did, in fact pick that up so like that's how we got to monopolies and monopolies are bad there's there's no way around that like when one company has that much power it's not a good thing but this does mean that retailers are probably the most impacted by this like you alluded to sort of like oh look we now have new comic books coming in a day ahead of all of the other comic books uh, bulk discounts are no longer a thing because Diamond did offer those. Like, you order a lot of books from the same thing, they will give you a discount. And now they have to basically, like, split that cost, and that's going to be a logistical issue. Uh, DC's uh, distribution, we talked about this last week, is split between uh, single issues through uh, the two companies that you mentioned, but also uh, Penguin Random House for all of its graphic novels. So, like, that's a third thing that they have to be dealing with. And this is to say nothing of the international market, because neither of those distributors you mentioned go there. So, like, there's just a lot of, like, question marks hanging in the air. I, I love DC Comics. I'm we, We've also discussed... Th- this is the fandom episode, essentially, right? Like, this is me, like, saying, like, these are all great things and they're all interesting things. But I don't know what this means for the industry as a whole. Because unless other companies also, like, branch out to other distributors, it's going to cause a similar fracture that we saw with, with Heroes World. And then Diamond might just come back as, like, double Diamond distributors, right? And, like, they just become another monopoly again, and then it's just, like, there's no reason to. Now, at at the same time, DC's clearly been trying to get out of Diamond's, like, distribution for a while because they didn't like the business arrangement, and you can't fault businesses for business. You can fault capitalism for causing us to be in the situation in the first place. Um, but it, it's... It's a mess. And, like, when I heard it, it's sort of like, oh, good, Monopoly ending. But then, like, I'm sealing my retailers being sort of like, shh, can't curse on the podcast. Um, 
expletives, expletives, because uh, it's it's a messy situation, and it's it's we're in a messy time to as like the baseline standard. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. Like you said, very messy times in life in general. I mean, there's a global pandemic still ongoing. The United States is on fire for a variety of reasons, and you would think that, like comics are one thing that you just like leave alone in the background to be stable but this is not going to be the case at all based on what we're seeing with this whole move there are a lot of moving pieces here and i'm not sure which side of the fence i fall on just yet because i see pros and cons for all involved parties now i think the people who are the least impacted by this for now and at least it's a very relative term here are the readers because the only thing that really changes for them is you get dc comics a day early then get marvel the next day that's really it but then this could impact retailers in significant fashion for example like we mentioned there are so many cooks in the kitchen now when it comes to distributing comics and getting different places Getting all of your books for a discount price from one place, that's definitely a pro you could save on the on the back end there and get all that money and everything. Versus now, each comic book shop's going to have to find a way to navigate these relationships with multiple publishers, and multiple distributors, I mean, when it comes to Diamond, because Diamond still has Marvel books, but all the DC books, and who knows who else jumps ship after this. But one thing I'll say, too, is that there are whispers that Diamond wasn't doing well before all this anyway. And that's why they were in the situation they were in when... COVID-19 happened and made them just stop releasing books altogether. So I think I don't know if they'll be the ones who pick all this back up and make another monopoly when this is all over with because along with you I do believe this is where we are headed. I would not be surprised if it was actually someone like Amazon stepped in and says hey we're going to start distributing comic books now and then just do it and that's just the way of the world. But this is very interesting. I will say this is also a good opportunity I think for us to Pivot somewhat with comic content. We've already halfway done that with apps like Comixology, also owned by Amazon. And each of the publishers have their own digital platforms as well. But the problem with that is that does put local comic book shops at risk. And local comic book shops aren't, as we said on this podcast, just a place to go pick up books. They're places to build relationships. They're kind of a community center for all things nerdy. And there's places to go be with people who have like-minded interests and everything. So someone is likely going to lose out in this scenario. Personally, I kind of hope it's Diamond if it has to be anybody. I don't want it to be anyone else because I don't like monopolies, like Mikel said. But we'll have to wait and see. Like it won't, We won't even know the full fallout from this for another six months to a year, I think. So to, to just iterate one final point, please talk to your local comic book shop and figure out the best way to support them throughout this time because these companies will be fine in like the long run because they have millions of dollars that are just stockpiled somewhere that they're just hoarding wealth um your local comic book shop is is part of your community they're good people they're good comics and and good talk so like talk to them ask them how you can best support them and like keep buying the books there i know it's really tempting to switch shifts but like like there's something about a comic book shop that's been really important to me personally over like the last like yeah, decade. I've been going to a shop for a decade now. So please just just keep supporting them the ways that you can. Absolutely. Shout out to First Day Comics here in Chicago. That's where I've been going for a few years and everything. I'm going to check in on them soon. Like Mikhail said, find ways to support how best you can. Shout out to uh, Star Clipper and Fantasy Book Tanks. They have been going there for multiple locations over multiple areas, and as well as uh, Wizards Wagging on the Dunbar Loop. Uh, good people on and both stores. We talk about Netflix shows a lot here at Black Nerd Problems. As much as we try, though, there's always a delay between our thoughts and what's on the screen. Wiretap has a solution for that. 
Wiretap is an extension that you can put on so that when you're watching Netflix, you'll be watching a movie or a show, and as you're watching, comments from other people will pop up. It's kind of like watching television with your friends, but they don't actually have to like be in the same place or time with you. It's a better version of live tweeting because you're not flipping between screens. Instead of going on Twitter to talk about what you've seen, you're staying on Netflix and you're talking about what you're seeing in real time on Netflix and other people will see those comments as well. You can start a community that way. I can see Nicole talking about uh, what she likes on Sabrina the Teenage Witch or what she doesn't like about Sabrina the Teenage Witch and I can like or not. Can you dislike? I'm not sure. Well, it's Nicole, so I'm going to like what she says anyway because that's Nicole. She's never wrong. <laughs> I follow Omar, so I see all of his comments, and like I follow a bunch of the other people from BNP, so I follow like Mikkel and Brittany and a bunch of our writers, so when I'm watching a show, their comments will pop up. It's not flooded, though. Uh, when the comments pop up, it isn't like 16 at a time. It's who you want to see, and not many random people, unless those comments have been liked a lot, so some of you might enjoy. It's kind of tailored to you, but there is an algorithm to it that doesn't uh, make it feel like you're being bombarded or flooded like on another app that we might not mention here, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and so it, there's no bombardment with that. It's like pop-up video, except your friends are the ones who are popping up. Their algorithm is actually really, really good because there's a couple people who um, I have never met before, but like... I appreciate their commentary <laughs> and now I follow them and I can like thumbs up their comments and it makes sense. I'm like, I don't know you, but I really enjoy your humor. It's like when you're at a movie and in your head, you're like, yo, you shouldn't have gone through that door. I told you not to go through that door. Like you're commenting like that. It's like live commentary with friends about, well, that was a stupid decision. Let me tell you why that was dumb. And these, uh, well, I got, I got like what, 58 characters, 120 characters. Let me tell you why that was a stupid decision in 120 characters. It is really like watching a movie or show with a living room full of people, except like you can just legit be in your underwear eating ice cream because they're not actually there, but all of their comments are there. That's how I watch shows with people when they're here or not. That's not, that's not what people do. I liked wiretapping Spider-Verse just because Omar and Brittany were in the movie with me. And that was like, it was really just legit like watching it with like people I like. I like watching anime and doing wiretap because you're guaranteed more, a more ludicrous thing will happen there. But like when it's something like maybe serious or like slightly dramatic, it's a fun thing to wiretap. I mean, uh, never have I ever, but that's a great thing to wiretap because uh, look, man, I don't know any minority that can call their mom uh, the B word and uh, still be alive the next scene. I don't know nope. about that. I don't, know, I don't nope. know where they do that. I don't know what fiction that exists in because not, not in this time that I know and I had to comment about that. There was a lot of things to comment on in that show. It's also validating, right? Because you'll be watching it in your house and just like looking around for like the other person like, yo, you, you hear her say that? And then I type it, yes, I did hear her say that. And this is why, and, and the fact that she's still breathing so there wasn't a transition scene that was just black and her waking up in her room or still outside at nighttime is appalling to me. Nicole, how easy was it to download for you? I went to the, I guess, the Google store and downloaded the Chrome. <laughs> I love when Nicole's talking about something. Even though she knows she's talking about, she'll have like that upward inflection. About it. And, like, I'm not, uh, I think, I know. I it was a long time ago. <laughs> it's memento, Nicole. <laughs> I don't, I don't, listen, man, just get this goddamn program, man. What the What are we doing here? <laughs> Easy to get the Wiretap app. All I have to do is go to, like, wiretap.co or go onto your Google Chrome and just download the extension from there. I'm pretty sure that's right. Download it from there? <laughs> it was easy. That's all I remember. I feel like that's the important thing. It was easy. 
It took me like less than a minute to download Wiretap. <laughs> Can you see that? <laughs> there should be an upward inflection emoji. Why is there not an upward inflection emoji? Find out more about Wiretap on their website at www.wiretap.co or download the Chrome extension from the Chrome Web Store. started with Destiny 2 news, but it ended with PlayStation 5 hype, as Sony finally showed off some of the games and the actual console, although comically, we still have no idea how much this thing is gonna cost come the holiday season, and that's still funny to me. That's still so funny to me. The gaming contingent of the uh, Black Nerd Problems Slack had a field day over the course of the hour stream, and most of my notes from the segment just come from, like, leafing through the archive and seeing how we were reacting to things. So, everyone just excitedly typed MILES in all caps in the chat when Sony showed off a teaser trailer for Spider-Man Miles Morales from Insamniac Studios, which isn't quite a full game sequel, but it's not a DLC, and Sony has clarified that it is going to be a standalone game, sort of like Uncharted Lost Legacy. So, not not the full-length game we probably deserve, but like it's not going to be just a DLC on, so that's cool. We saw a new Ratchet and Clank. We saw a game called Stray, where you play a cat with a backpack living in a world full of robots, so you know I'm in. Destruction All Stars, which looks like a Rocket League Mario Kart Fortnite-esque arena driver, where you're just crashing into each other repeatedly. A new Odd World, a Demon Souls remake, a new Hitman game called Deathloop, which features two black leads and some time travel loop that's sort of like Dishonored style gameplay with this like pulp comic aesthetic and it looks really cool. New Resident Evil Village, Horizon Zero Dawn 2 with Lance Riddick and Ashley Birch. And there's just so much more that I'm not going to cover in this podcast because we have a great article up from one of our writers on the site that you should check out for the full rundown. These are just some of the highlights that have been sticking out in my head. And then for the console itself, it looks like a router. Like, just just straight up. It looks like a router. And it looks like Alienware and the PS4 just sort of, like, got welded together into this router. And significantly, it has these white veneers, which is odd because most consoles at launch are, like, these pure black things. Like, my old PS4 pitch black, the Xbox Series X, it's just a black fridge all black everything you know but ps5 is just like here's whites everywhere and they also reveal that there's going to be a digital only version that's going to lack the usual like cd disc drive on the side so it's going to be a slightly slimmer model and hopefully a slightly cheaper price point at this point although who knows what the price is because no one's selling us anything and then there's also various peripherals that they showcased headsets and charging stations and a remote for the non-gamers in your household. So, all in all, I was very excited to get a PlayStation 5 regardless, but now I have more things to look forward to than just my Destiny 2 Beyond Light and 60FPS. So, it's it's an excited time to be a gamer. This is going to be the the next gen of consoles and it looks it looks good. It looks really good. 
I think a cool experiment is going to be looking back at the podcast like a year from now and watching my like gamer transformation happen because I got so excited about this news that I also was already going to buy a PS5, like probably. And at first my plan was, you know, if it comes out like in October or something, I'm going to wait until like the holidays, get it for myself as a gift. At this point, it's coming out first week. Like I'm getting this and the Miles Morales game at the same time. I'm so excited about that for a variety of reasons. I just feel neglected because I know I shouldn't be, but I'm not in that Black Nerd Problems Gamers Slack channel. So I was sitting there just like on Twitter with like the plebeians, just like getting hyper and stuff and not my friends. We'll talk about that more later. I still want to get in the anime channel, Jordan. They just really confined you to the comics channel, didn't they? To sort of like, Keith, you, you, this is your home. You're, you're staying here. Like, Keith, you do comics and that's it. Like, pretty much. I'm like, general comics, Animal Crossing. That's really all that I have access to, which is plenty, and I appreciate those. But I have other interests, people. I am diversified. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the PS5. My biggest question now is, am I going to have it standing up like the Tower of Sauron, which I cannot get that picture out of my head, or am I going to put it on the side? Because I'm going to have it in my living room, hooked up to my TV, and like, three, four different controllers and everything. But I'm also very excited for the new 2K game coming out. I thought for our sports games fans out there, that trailer looked incredible. It looked like even better than Zion Williamson does in real life, which is saying a whole lot because he's been dunking on kids since he was 14 years old, like a grown man does. So that's great. Um, I'm also excited to finally get back into playing Madden. Since I like took a step back from gaming years ago, I've been sticking to Nintendo systems that haven't had Madden since like 2005 maybe. I loved that game, and I want to get back into that. So that's something I'm definitely going to be adding my list to. And depending on where my time investment goes, I may also put some time into Destiny so we can have a mutual shared interest. Just putting that out there. But yeah, this is all super dope from top to bottom. I'm just waiting to find out what the price is. Not because it's going to dissuade me at all, because I want to know how broken it's going to be when this game drops. See, see, that's the thing. We're waiting for this console to drop, right? We have no idea at all. Either console at this point. Either console. At this point, like, you could invest in a gaming PC for, like, a known quantity and have a device that will be good for, like, X number of years. And then these consoles are just sort of like, we'll tell you eventually. It's comical. It, it really is. My PlayStation 5 is going to be the discless version because I've just not bought a disc in, like, five years and I don't see myself buying discs. If the PlayStation 5 is as tall as, like, the old-school PlayStation 4, it's going to have to lay sideways in my office, which I think it's going to do that comfortably, but, like, it's very wavy, like, unexpectedly wavy, so, like, who, who knows? But um, I don't sports games. I sports anime very, very heavily, so if they ever do a high Q game on the PlayStation 5, I'll, I'll get that in a heartbeat. It's it's a cool it's a cool tech demo. It's a cool lineup of things, and I'm still just shouting Miles Morales very loudly every time I think about the PlayStation Five. He got a lineup and a haircut. I'm so happy for him. Thank you, Miles. Please, he saw the light. Thank goodness for black game developers who probably fought very hard to get that fixed. <laughs> Which they shouldn't have had to, but I'm so glad you did. Your sacrifice does not go unappreciated. That, that rounds up this uh, gaming-centric episode with just a little bit of uh, comics talk. So, Keith, uh, what else was going on this week? Yeah, so per usual, we like to wrap up our show by going over other headlines we couldn't quite devote entire segments to, but we feel that all our listeners with these interests, you should know about them, and we call that our lightning round. So for this week, we have a couple of big headlines to get through that we couldn't quite get to, including the release dates for Tenet, Wonder Woman 1984, Matrix 4, Godzilla vs. Kong, and a couple other movies have all been pushed back even further due to COVID-19. 
Next up, R.I.P. to the late great comic book writer Denny O'Neill, who was instrumental to many of Batman's greatest stories and characters, including Ralph Al Ghul, Talia Al Ghul, and many more. And lastly, HBO tried to fix our confusion over its many services, but made things so much worse by killing off HBO Go, then renaming what's HBO Now to just ordinary HBO, and then focusing on HBO Max. No, I don't know what that means either. We probably won't anytime soon, but they tried at least. So there you go. And if you'd like to hear our thoughts on these or any more topics in nerd news, feel free to tweet us at Black Nerd Problems with the hashtag TWINN. Once again, I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. I'm your host, Michael Snyder. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, everybody listen to the podcast, and share with a friend. Have a good week, folks. <laughs>